I'm Julie Potowitz, CEO and founder of Grow Your Occupancy. Our passion is helping senior living providers maximize sales efforts and increase revenue. Join me as I chat with industry leaders who share their tips and strategies, and we'll have some fun along the way. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Grow Your Occupancy podcast. I'm Julie Podowitz, CEO and founder. And today I welcome Rick Schamberg to the show. Welcome, Rick. Great to see you, Julie. Great to be here. Well, I would like to tell listeners a little bit about you, Rick, and your bio and background is very impressive. So I can't wait to pick your brain a bit. But Rick Schamberg is a managing director of New York-based Scarf Ridge Capital Partners, a private real estate investment firm focused on distressed, opportunistic, and value-add investing across the U.S. Prior to the launch of Scarp Ridge, Schamberg served for 11 years as a co-managing partner of Chicago-based Cerulean Partners, a senior living investment and advisory firm. Uh, You've owned and operated, Rick, and invested in multifamily, independent living, assisted living, memory care, behavioral health properties, and concierge home care, wow, throughout the U.S. since 2003. His investments in real estate and operating companies include acquisitions, development, and management with particular emphasis on turnarounds, distressed assets, and startups. Schamberg has worked with, advised, and partnered with some of the senior living industry's premier owners, operators, private equity funds, and digital health technology firms, while also serving as an outside advisor to family offices and health systems focused on healthcare, real estate, senior living, and innovation. And prior to moving into healthcare and real estate, Rick served as a special advisor for science and technology to George H. Ryan, former governor of Illinois, and served in the White House Office of National Service during the administration of George H.W. Bush. You have an MBA from the Kellogg Graduate School of Management at Northwestern, and you graduated University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign with your bachelor's. You're a member of the American Seniors Housing Association and a director of Minneapolis-based nonprofit New Way Alliance. Now in your spare time, which I don't know, Rick, how you even have it. I did not know this about <laughs> you. You perform in improv- improvisational comedy. You write poetry and short fiction, all from your beautiful home state and town of St. Paul, Minneapolis. Oh my gosh. Welcome again, Rick. That's quite an exaggeration. Whoever wrote that's going to go to hell for their exaggeration. <laughs> I'm exhausted. I am exhausted. Well, I'm exhausted too. Listening to that, I'm, I'm humbled and I would like to dive right in. Uh, and Rick, maybe just uh, tell us just a little bit about how you started out in senior living. Yeah, happy to do it. Um, I fell into the senior living business uh, back in 2002, 2003. I met David Smith, who uh, is well known in the industry as the founder of Sherpa. Um, uh, and David encouraged me uh, to move to St. Louis. 
which I agreed to begrudgingly. Um, and he moved me into his parents' apartment at the Gatesworth at one McKnight place while they were spending the winter in Florida. And he said to me, uh, I'll teach you the business, but if you want to learn the senior living business, uh, you have to learn how to do one thing, and that is move families into senior housing. And if you can do that, then you can be successful in the business. And so he moved me into his parents' apartment. Uh, we had a consulting gig at a, a ground-up development in St. Charles, Missouri. Um, and that's how I started in the business. And over the next three years, I traveled the country. I lived on site at probably 15 senior living communities and moved, you know, I sort of estimate maybe a thousand families into senior living. And that was my, that was my second MBA, if you will. Um, You know, living on site, you know, gives you that 24 hour, seven day a week exposure. Um, You know, one of my favorite sayings when a, a prospect or their family uh, would come in for a tour or for lunch or to see the community. And after two and a half hours, they'd look and they'd say, you know, this is great. This is amazing. This is beautiful. But they'd say, you know, I'm too young to move in. I'd say, well, I live here. <laughs> and I was 31, 32, 33 years old. So I, that's an amazing story. And, you know, Rick, I'm thinking you know, many, many people don't think of, you know, investors or someone in your position uh, having a sales background necessarily, and certainly not one in senior living as a, you started out as a leasing counselor, right? I did. Yeah. As part of a team um, that, that would, uh, um, I didn't work in a particular community. You know, I worked for, for David at one-on-one and we were the group that operators brought in uh, to fix, you know, their troubled buildings, the ones that had, you know, major issues, particularly with occupancy. But what we found is, you know, occupancy suffered because operations weren't right or because the physical plant needed improvement. And so we generally would take over, you know, the whole operation in order to lease up a building. Um, and, And so it was that sort of foundation of not only, you know, starting in sales, but being able to see lots of different types of buildings in lots of different geographies that began to sort of um, inform, uh, you know, my view on the space, you know, independent living, standalone, ILAL, um, you know, we, we did some AL memory care. We did stuff in Arizona. We did stuff in Michigan. We did stuff um, in Colorado, in, in uh, Minnesota. So I got to see uh, the business from a, uh, a really nice macro view and we would take ideas from one building and bring it to the next, you know, and what worked at one didn't necessarily work at another. And so um, I think that was sort of the start of, you know, um, my view. And I, I, I firmly believe to be a great investor in the business, uh, you don't have to have an operations background by any stretch. There's a, re- a lot of really, really smart investors, you know, who, 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 uh, who get it, who, who never spent time in ops, but the nuance of what goes on uh, in a family's mind, in the circumstances as they change in, into the decision-making, um, in that interaction between staff um, and the prospective residents, it, uh, it's sort of hard to explain. It's just, it really, that nuance really helps, you know, to uh, inform, you um, 
uh, how, you know, whether or not to make an investment and, you know, what's going to work, what's not going to work and sort of, you know, uh, the lengths that you need to go to make a project successful. So, yeah, I mean, I, that, that's an incredible um, background. And, you know, I would think that all of that unique experience certainly has formed or influenced, right, um, how you think as an investor. And I'm just curious um, how you feel that, that that really gives you a unique perspective in, in what yeah. you're looking for as an investor. You talked about really knowing and work like moving in thousands of families and there's nothing like boots on the ground really understanding that piece. But what in, in what other way do you feel as you're navigating through that you might have a really unique perspective? Well, first and foremost, um, I think it, it gives us credibility, uh, not only with you know residents in the way we interact, um, but with staff, you know, having lived in these communities, having walked in their shoes, understanding, you know, how they toil every day, how exhaustive it is emotionally, you know, um, um, to navigate this process with a family, um, you know, having, you know, sat where the executive director sits, um, having served coffee in the dining room, having, you know, um, you know, cleaned uh, the community bathroom. This, this is really important um, to operators and to staff um, when, when thinking about, you know, who do they want to be their partner? Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, having that background and experience also really differentiates us um, with our operating partners, um, you know, because they know we know um, we can be a part of the solution. A lot of investors, frankly, sort of come across as, and oftentimes they're just sort of nagging operators, you know, with, you know, margin questions and occupancy questions and, you know, looking at expense line items and, you know, wanting reports. Um, whereas I think operators, you know, given our background and my background, they really, they know that we can, we can be a part of the solution. We can brainstorm ideas and we can roll up our sleeves together. Um, I mean, you know, you know, so if memory care is, is, is occupancy is suffering more so than assisted living, you know, we'll think to be able to sort of approach, you know, the sales team at a community and say, okay, how are we selling memory care different than how we're selling assisted living? And oftentimes we're selling assisted living and memory care the exact same, yet the issues and why a family is looking for memory care and assisted living are quite different. And so it's that level of nuance that I think most investors, you know, they just don't know. Uh, they, 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 you know, they look at occupancy, um, you know, uh, as a whole, rather than, you know, really compartmentalizing what the particular sort of micro issues are, you know, with each, you know, unit type, with each acuity. Um, um, and so, you know, I think that that really differentiates us. Um, and I think that that's really important. And then, and then looking, you know, from an investor standpoint, you know, really not having to rely so much on the operator for telling us and educating us about what will work, how long it will take to work, why it will work, 
you know, we have kind of a, you know, a reflex um, as to, you know, you know, whether a deal, you know, is going to work, whether a deal makes sense and at what price. So, so it becomes more of a collaboration. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, with the operator than, than, you know, sort of my opinion and their opinion, you know. Sure, sure. And I would think too, and, and have been having been on the other, on those, the other side, right, of those conversations, right, that you're talking to and speaking with investors. Uh, the, um, hey, we need occupancy, let's, you know, let's run a deal kind of thing, which is kind of maybe the first uh, gut maybe reaction or, you know, what do we need to do to close? What do we need to close? You know, your insights, even just with from, from an assisted living memory care perspective or independent living to really understand the nuances of why, you know, is, is I'm sure it gives you an, just an incredible uh, perspective. Something you mentioned though, I, I, I wanna circle back to when you talked about operations affecting sales. So for instance, dining uh, some, or uh, of course staffing right now with, with being staffing being in a crisis, which I do wanna ask you about in a minute, but you know, from the, from the sales perspective, uh, having you know, empathy, of course, to the challenges of operating a community, uh, it, it does uh, holes or gaps in service do affect sales. And there's a, um, I'm just curious if you could speak to or give advice to both sides, if you will, the sales and the ops, because when I speak with salespeople that, you know, really, it's such a delicate dance right? That, you know, maybe dining is off and we are, you know, we may, maybe there we move, lose move-ins or maybe there's some service issues and we lose move-ins or, or people, we lose residents. Yet we're all a team and we don't want to antagonize each other, right? So it kind of puts, but yet there's a ton of pressure on sales. So if sales isn't happening, right? Then we turn the salesperson over. This is a dynamic that's, gosh, it's been going on ever since I've been in the business. What advice or could you speak to um, maybe how to have these conversations or, or maybe, um, uh, you know, from an operations perspective, what you would want to hear from sales or what sure. I need to do? Okay. Yeah. So two, two thoughts, you know, your, your question, you know, brought up, uh, prompted a, a number of, of reactions. One is, you know, one of my favorite sayings is invest into the loss. So uh, when I got into the business, you know, 20 years ago, you know, perhaps 5% of communities were owned institutionally by REITs or by public companies, 95% were mom and pop. That's really reversed wow. today. It's, it's primarily institutions, private equity, um, um, who own communities and maybe they're five to 10% mom and pops. But so back then, you know, occupancies down, we're losing money. We need, we need to make some cuts, right? That was the reaction that we got when we went to communities. And 
we said, no, 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 no. You need to invest in whether it's the physical plant, whether it's your personnel, whether it's, uh, you know, your programming in order to go yeah. from 60 to 90, 95% or 60 to hundred percent occupancy, we need to make an investment. We need to find the money, you know, and invest into the loss in order to, to, to turn, to turn yeah. the, the building around, to improve morale, uh, to re-inject the, the necessary energy and enthusiasm into the entire community, into the culture, in order to create a winning culture, in order to get people excited about moving into your community. We needed to create the place to be. And in order to do that, you needed to spend money. Number two, um, which I think is a direct answer to your question, the operations have to support the marketing and have to por- per- support the sales effort. Um when we used to go to buildings, we made it very clear we're in charge. The sales team is in charge because, and, our, and, and you know, and, and that's a, a little bit of an extreme, but it was to to yeah. to create a point. The brochure has to match reality of the building, right? I cannot be out, you know, one of my favorite sales saying sayings. I cannot sell out of an empty wagon. I can't sell you a great culinary experience. If we're serving a bologna sandwich and a cold cup of coffee. Um, so, you know, I can't sell you on great care when we don't have, uh, when we're short on sta- on caregivers or we're short on LPNs. Um, I need to know that the executive director has my back as it relates to activities and programming, as it relates to dining, as it relates to housekeeping, as it relates to care. Um, so that when I'm telling Mr. and Mrs. Johnson, um, when I get to the point where I understand that they truly do need to move and that this is a good fit, that I know that they're, that they're going to benefit from having the experience that three months after moving in, they're going to come to my office and say, thank you. We should have done this, you know, two years ago that their adult daughter is going to call me and say, wow, you were right. You know? Um, I'm sleeping through the night. I'm not having to leave work, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, to go, uh, you know, fix my, my mom and dad's blinds because they, 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 they think that, uh, you know, um, somebody's staring in the window. Um, so the operations have to support the marketing and the sales effort, um, in a significant way. And that's why, you know, I've always really advocated for executive directors, for wellness directors, um, for program directors, resident services, et cetera, to participate in top 10 meetings, you know, uh, on a regular, consistent basis so that everybody's in the same boat as it relates to, you know, uh, um, you know, the sales effort prospects, you know, moving into the community um, and that we're fully aligned as a building. Amen. (laughs) You know, instead of seeing sales as a nuisance, and I'm not saying that's what a lot of people feel, but I, you know, I've been there, you know, that, uh, and and I understand, but when you have a sales driver, that sales driver may rub a bit, right? Is if, you know, we need apartments turned, or like you said, maybe we're getting some feedback around the dining or, some service issues, um, or even if everything's great, sales is going to, you need a sales driver, you want them to drive the train, move the train, push the train, right? 
So instead of seeing yep. that as an annoyance, if we could flip that and see it, have that from those empathetic eyes and from that truly from the why, or, or you know, why we need those, the skill set and that behavior, if you will, or that, you know, innate, um, I don't want to say personality because there's loads of different personalities, but that innate, like, okay, we got to get this done. We got to get this done. We got to get this done. And you, you know, we're all in the same team. I love when you were saying that the top 10 meetings, right? So some, some engagement directors, more activities, and they say, why do I need to do that? I've got a full plate. You do, but here's the reason why, right? None of us have any dates yeah. if we don't have revenue, right? And we're not serving families and residents, which is why we're all in this in the first place. You know, staying yep. focused on, on the why. Just got back from a conference, you know, re, just, you know, reinvigorated on the why and the, you know, our dream and why we're in this business. And, you know, we keep uh, continually reminding ourselves because it's hard. You know, this business is very gratifying, but it's tough, a tough business. Yeah. I have, uh, you know, I've got a good anecdote uh, as to why an activities director, why a resident services director should participate in a top 10 meeting um, on a regular basis, once a week, you know, once every other week, twice a week, whatever the case may be. Um, I've got a prospect. She's 86 years old. She's a widow. Um, she is in denial about her circumstances. She doesn't want to move. Her adult daughter's advocating, advocating, advocating but doesn't have the rapport with mom um, needs that outside objective uh, third party that we play, right. Needs the, the leasing counselor to play family therapist in the process of trying to, um, you know, build the bridge from mom's home and her circumstances that aren't working to our community. Right. Well, um, Mom has not been willing to come. She finally comes. She's got all of her walls up um, through the discovery process, through sitting with her for an hour and a half, two hours before lunch. We learn that she's Italian. We learn that she loves to bake. We learn that she makes the greatest pizzelles, you know, the Italian cookie, and has a pizzelle maker in her basement that hasn't been used in 25 years. And in the top 10 meeting, after talking about uh, you know, this prospect, you know, we'll call her Mrs. Jones. Um, and um, our, our team decides we need to create an activity for Mrs. Jones to lead. We want her to bring that Pizzelle maker to our community and teach all of our residents how to make Pizzelles. We're going to make her the center of attention. We're going to give her purpose on that day. And we invite her back to bring her recipe, recipe to bring her Pizzelle maker and to do a baking demonstration um, in our, uh, in our uh, uh, culinary studio. And we see her start, there's you know 15 or 20 residents who participate and the light goes on. You see this woman come alive for the first time. And that's what gets her over the hump from that denial to realizing, wow, you know, um, I lost myself in this activity. You know, I forgot that I was miserable. I forgot that I was depressed. I forgot that I was dependent um, or codependent as the case may be. Right. And 
And that's why an activity director needs to be part of, uh, you know, the maintenance director may have some terrific ideas. You know, Mr. Jones, you know, may have been great with a hammer back in the day, you know, or a lawnmower, you know, and what may get, get him going is, 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 you know, being a volunteer assistant to the maintenance director. Right. So, and by the way, one of my favorite questions to executive directors is when was the last time you were on a home visit with your sales director? You know, when was the last time you sat with your sales director in the home of a prospect and really got, you know, your sleeves rolled up and your hands dirty in terms of that process and what it's like to look around somebody's house and say, and ask the magic question, wow, you've got such a beautiful home here. Why would you possibly want to move? And that question will literally unleash all of the reasons why a prospect you know, needs to move, you know, the roof is leaking, you know, all of my neighbors and my friends have moved on, you know, um, I'm not getting to church on Sunday anymore. Um, you know, uh, my daughter, you know, you know, missed the grocery store this week. And so I don't have, you know, you know, my favorite things in the refrigerator, whatever the case, you know, you look in their medicine cabinet and realize, you know, they've got 30 meds and, and, and they're probably not being administered properly. You look on their you know, uh, um, you know, their foyer table and realize that there's unopened mail from two months ago. You know, hey, this person really needs to move. I need to rescue this person from their own circumstances. And now I have that increase of motivation. What else can we do, you know, to help build this bridge from their home to our community? And the executive director and frankly, the wellness director and some of the other senior staff, you know, need to see that, you know, up close and personal. Not Hey, sales director, how come we don't have these move-ins or how are we doing on those movements? No, this is marketing and sales is a team sport. Um, we all have to do it. Two-on-ones, you know, are better than one-on-ones, always. Um, especially when there's, you know, an adult daughter and a, and a mom or, you know, adult daughter and her brother from California who really doesn't want mom to move because he's relying on the proceeds from the sale of a home you know, after somebody dies. I mean, there's so much of a psychological dynamic that sometimes it takes, you know, two salespeople or a salesperson or an executive director or a salesperson and a wellness director to figure out what's really going on with this family. Right. And by the way, the salespeople, they have to advocate for themselves. They have to grab the activities director. They have to grab the executive director. See, I need you in this top 10 meeting with me. Otherwise I'm in a meeting by myself or there's, you know, me and my moving coordinator. We're trying to figure out what to do with our top 10 prospects, but we need four people here looking at this stuff, you know, so that we can come up with an individual sales campaign, an individual marketing plan for each and every prospect, because what works for one person is not going to work for another. And so, you know, it's not sort of like, oh, I'm not getting the support I need. You know, I need to go grab that support. I need to advocate, you know, for our, for our, our effort. Rick Schamberg, can you uh, listeners imagine if we talk about a sales and, and uh, service focused uh, community, imagine if all of our operators and, and investors um, ha had your mindset. Uh, you're amazing. I would love to invite you back on because I've got so many more questions and so many more topics that I'd love you to shed your light and expertise on. So um, I'm hoping to have you back maybe uh, before the end of the year. What do you think? 
I would love it. Yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of other things, uh, you know, regarding staffing, you know, regarding the growth of the business, regarding how things that worked five years ago aren't necessarily working today and how we need to be, you know, innovative and creative. I mean, the fact is, is there's a lot of new supply. There's a lot of brand new communities. So what do I do in my community that's you know, was built in 2010 to compete with the community that just opened down the street that was built in 2020? Um, the newer, shinier penny, right? There's a place, um, you know, for every community. You know, there's only 10% of agent income qualified people who are living in our communities today. That means we're all fighting over that 10%. How do we expand the pie a little bit? How do we, you know, make ourselves that much more attractive to the 90% of people who've decided they're not ready or can't afford or don't want to move to senior living? Because if we can just get one or 2% of those folks, no doubt, we'll all be full we'll all be full with a waiting list. So I'd love to come back and visit with you some more. It's super helpful to me. And, uh, you know, I'm passionate about the business, just like you are, Julie. And, uh, you know, a lot of your listeners and followers, which I know you've got a, a growing group of people who are relying on you for your expertise uh, and the guests that you bring on for ideas, because we all need, you know, each other in order to figure out, you know, where the puck's going to go in this business, because it is constantly changing. So we got to all stay current and relevant. Stay was that really a half hour? This goes too quick. I know. This is, I know it does. Um, I'm going to say stay tuned for part two of Rick Schamberg coming soon. Rick, thank you again so much. It's great to see you. I love your hat. And I so appreciate mm -hmm. you, your time and everything that you've done for thousands and thousands of thousands of people in our business. Thanks so much, Julie.